Are you already standing victorious that you might be safety to those who are in the storm? That we might call them out of darkness and into his glorious light? Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Hey, Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. It's bread. It's practical. We consume it. It becomes part of who we are today. Lord, your word is also seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts, and it produces life and grows us up from the inside. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know. Prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about the mark of greatness. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 40, Jesus has died and he's rose from the dead. He hasn't gone on to sit on the throne just yet up in the heavens. He's talking to his disciples. He's kind of snuck in amongst them, really. The Bible says he showed them his hands and his feet. What was he doing? He was showing them his what? His scars. And he showed them his, you know, he could have, when he resurrected, he could have been healed in such a way that there were no scars. He's Jesus. Can erase every scar. Every sign that there was ever a wound could have been gone, brand new. But yet, he kept the scars. And then he took and showed them his scars, like, as if to say, do you have some scars? Yeah, me too. And you know, when he showed them his scars, Jesus' attitude wasn't, well, look what they did to me. Look how I've been wounded. Look how awful they were to me. I don't know that I'll ever be the same. We would never would imagine Jesus coming at them with his wounds and scars as, as kind of a victim. I'll never, I'll never be as strong like I used to be because I got beat, I got knocked down, I got hit hard, look at my scars, look at my wounds. Instead, we get the idea that our Jesus was saying, I'm still here. And the world wants us to be victims. The world wants to trap you and cage you in the wounds that you've been through, the attacks that came at you. I got scarred, Pastor. I don't know that I can ever go on to do that or be this. Or, you know where I've been through? Abuse, betrayal, things happen in life. Horrible tragedies. People face awful, awful temptation and addiction and great weights they carry. Trying to overcome alcoholism or drug abuse or born into this world with health issues. And having health issues. And these attacks that come. And I want you to know that Jesus was saying, I'm still here. Do you see these wounds? I want you to know, you got scars? Me too. But his attitude was, I want you to know that the world and Satan released everything they had to take me down. Look at what they did. I'm victorious and I'm about to go up. You see these marks? These marks mean I have been marked for greatness. I have found in the word of God that the heroes who do great things had the greatest attacks against them. 
Satan is most scared of the ones, the strongest, the ones who have the biggest calls in their life. He's most afraid that they're going to do something. And first of all, we need to know something. Satan is defeated. He has no power to win or defeat you. And yet he unleashes the greatest attacks as though I want you to know that those attacks are indicators of the greatness that's within you. You were marked for greatness. Moses no longer, no sooner hits the ground born and already Satan is trying to kill him. Jesus no, just no sooner born, just barely announced that he had arrived and already Satan is trying to kill him. And if you were born into tough times and born into a situation, tough situation, listen, God didn't do that to you. He's not giving you the attack to try and strengthen you or something. No, no, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan saw what was on the inside of you, and it scared him. And he unleashed everything he could to try and stop you. And every time an attack comes, we should consider it pure joy when we experience trials of many kinds. Because why? Because we know that the attack is a mark of the greatness God has called you to. The, the greater the conflict the greater the call. The bigger the adversity, the bigger the anointing that will be revealed in you. The greater the problem, the greater the purpose. Do you see how I did that? I lined up all the letters. Worked very hard on that. (laughs) Right? Did you get conflict, call, purpose, and problem? That was, I don't know, give the Lord a hand clap. That was a lot of work. (laughs) And so we see this marked for greatness Instead of a wound or baggage that you carry with you. Right? His car, his scars. And there was a, a man named Joash. He's no sooner born, just barely born. He was the eighth king and, of Judah. And, and he was no sooner born that already his dad died the first year he was born. His dad was king. And dad was a wicked, wicked king. His dad was the son of Ahab, who was also a wicked, wicked king. So he's in a long line of wicked kings. And he's, 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 he's just, barely, just getting ready to turn one years old. And then his dad dies. And then his grandma, her name is Athelia, this woman begins to slaughter all the heirs of the throne. She kills them all off that she might be king. This is, a cra- this is not a good grandma. <laughs> grandma should make cookies and like be encouraging. And, right? This is, not, this is a... So, so they hide, jo- Joash escapes, they hide him, the, the, the priest's wife hides him in the temple, in the house of God. Athelia didn't know he survived, and he hides in God's house for six years. And Jehoiada, the priest, is getting ready to bring out Joash as king, as a seven-year-old, getting ready to bring him out. He calls in the guards into God's house, captains of a hundred, and he says, I want you guys to guard him. A third of them he assigns to a gate called Sir. Now the word Sir means to be expelled or rejected. And so you get like the idea that Joash has started out in a really bad spot. He was born into a mess. He lost his parents. He lost all of his siblings. He lost his throne. He was being unreasonably treated and unreasonably attacked. He was born into a mess. Can you somebody say amen? And so everything's stolen from him. And And then he's been hiding in God's house. And we see this picture that the same gate of rejection and being expelled from his family is now being guarded that there might be no more 
rejection in his life because he's been chosen by God. And watch this, it is from God's house that he finds restoration. How many know we get restoration from the brokenness of this world when we're in God? How many know you're in God's house and restoration's happening in your life right now? The Holy Spirit is messing around inside your heart right now to bring restoration. And he's guarding you from, from expulsion and from rejection. He's guarding you from these things. And he's establishing you to your proper position which is exactly what was happening with Joash. They brought in, the, the priest was there, and they established him, and they, seven years old, they made him king, Joash. And the Athelia, the grandma, got all upset and tried to, tried to you know, get it, but she, it didn't end well for her. And Joash was established. Why was Joash attacked so fiercely? See, Satan's fiercest attacks come to those who are destined to do the most damage to him. And he turned, Joash would, would, see, he, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 2, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord, first in two generations. The whole nation of Israel was worshiping other gods, but Joash single-handedly turned the entire nation of Judah back to God, something that even Elijah was trying but couldn't accomplish. Look what Joash did. Satan did not want Joash to be king. Satan didn't want Joash to restore the temple back to its former glory, which is what he did. And can you look back on your life and say you had a rough start? That things were unfair to you. And, and, and society today wants to tell you that you're broken, that there's something wrong with you. Because of what you went through, you'll never be the same. Don't listen to those lies anymore. Satan was simply scared of you. He attacked you with everything you had, everything he had. But here's what I know for sure. You're still here. You are in God's house. He is restoring you and establishing you. And those marks that you have, the marks that Joash had in his childhood, those wounds, Jesus said to Joash, as he's saying to us today, you got marks? Yeah, me too. These are marks of greatness. There was a, a young boy that was in the hospital and I went and prayed for him. He just had his gallbladder removed, no big deal. You know, it's gonna be like in and out, couple, maybe one day in the hospital, something like that. But something went wrong in him. He was, had an infection formed in him and they had, to, they had all these procedures they began to do. They, cut, they had to leave him open to try and air. It was just awful what this boy was going through. And, and the, the, the mom called the, the church and. And then I found out about this. He was like maybe, 12, I think he was 12 years old at the time. And, and so I began to go to the hospital and it was a battle. We were, we were in and out of the hospital. I was there calling or either visiting and uh, Dr. Dion was there. And there was, there was probably uh, 11 days maybe that he was there. And it was, there was times where it was touch and go. It looked like he was gonna die. And so I would go there and lay hands and pray. And about, I don't know, seven, eight days into this, the mom pulled me aside and said, why? Why is this happening to us? And this is what exactly what our normal reaction is. There was nothing wrong with her reaction. That's the reaction we all have. Why am I going through this attack? And I explained to her what I'm explaining to you today. Listen, he's gonna be delivered by God. He's gonna be healed and fine. He'll be home in no time. But he's under an attack because he's been marked for greatness. 
There is something about this life that Satan is scared of. Satan has already lost this battle. But just know this for sure, that child is going to do great things. He's going to be a great leader. He's going to pivot and change things. This is simply a mark of greatness. And look at the victory that we have. You know, he was completely healed. It was just a few more days, and he got out of the hospital, and every, almost every single Sunday when I'm walking past, that after this service, he'll be sitting right there, and he'll give me the biggest hug in the world, him and his mom and his brothers. He's completely healed and completely whole. But I tell you, it was touch and go. Why did he have to face such an attack? You know, sometimes I see someone fighting an addiction, and it's unreasonable the weight of temptation that they carry, alcoholism or meth addiction or addictions are awful things and and they will grab you and shackle you and prison you and drag you back and then you quit and then they drag you back again then you quit and then there's condemnation and then there's shame and i can't beat it and i'm losing my relationship it's an awful thing and when i see someone carrying the great weight of addiction i don't think oh they're a lost cause well we'll just pray for them and hope they come through you know what i think I get down on my knees and I pray to the living God that they might be set free because here's what I know for sure. Satan is scared to death of what they have on the inside of them. I see addiction as a mark of greatness. There is great things about to come off of, uh, come out of them. And if they can get free, if they can see those shackles fall off, and if they can walk out of that addiction, and even though they might go back to it once or twice, but they keep walking and keep trying and keep persevering, that person will go on to do great things and to break the shackle of addictions off the people around them. Praise God. Why? Because they paved a way to overcoming the enemy in a certain arena of their life and the enemy will pay for what they've done to them somebody say amen that's what i see abraham lincoln dreamed of being president and god would use him in a mighty way you know abraham lincoln faced a lot of defeat in his life we've seen that story i'm sure many times he lost six different elections which means he would of course election can take a couple years and to lose six of them was a huge setbacks in his life. And might think to himself, well, why even try and be president? I have a dream to be president. I have these things on the inside of me, but why even try? If God wanted me to be president, he would have made sure I won that first election and that second election. Maybe he's just not in it. It's just a dream. I just let it go. I'm just going to be a lawyer. He could have said all those things. You know, he was attacked greatly in his health too. When he was the age of nine, the story is he got kicked in the head by a horse and nearly died. Then he got malaria twice and nearly died both times. Uh, he had a nervous breakdown. He had, let me try and go through, he had a genetic disorder he was born with called men to be and usually resulted in an early death. He lost his mom when he was very young. He was, he was nine years old when he lost his mom. There was two assassination attempts that weren't successful on his life, one of which a sniper shot so close to his head, it missed his head by centimeters. When he took off his hat, the bullet hole was through his hat. Why was the enemy trying to stop Abraham Lincoln? Because of what God had placed in him. And he would have his dream come true of becoming president of the United States despite the health adversities and all the defeats he faced in his life. 
And from that place, he did what was right. And he pivoted a nation against division and he set slaves free in our nation. Somebody say amen. What did he face? You know, he had a great life. I don't want you to think he had a bad life. He had a life full of his dream coming true. But he had marks of greatness all along the way. We can see these attacks. I called one of the spiritual giants in my life one day and I, uh, I, I said to him, hey, I'm under attack, man, me and my family. I mean, it's as bad as I've ever seen. And he said, well, you better get happy. <laughs> How many know that when, when you're facing it, that is not what you want to hear, right? What I wanted to hear was, well, let's pray and there's gonna, everything's going to be okay. I hope you're feeling okay and all my love. That's what I wanted to hear, but not him. He goes, well, you better get happy. I said, what are you talking about? Better get happy. He said, you're about to go up a level. The attack come like that, it means Satan's Satan is scared of what's about to happen in your life. So he's unleashing all of hell. Don't you be distracted. Don't you be discouraged. He's already been defeated. But he said this. He said, new level, new devil. <laughs> the devil's already been defeated, praise God. You know, that conflict, the greater the conflict, the greater the call. The wounds that you have, they're marks of greatness, indicators of the great thing that God has in front of you and your destiny. Don't be discouraged. Shake off the frustration. Don't let Satan talk you into being a victim in life. Oh, poor me. Look what happened to me. I don't have the same life as other people. Those things will hold you back. Instead, recognize the same attack that was meant to harm me. God is going to work it out for my good. These are marks of greatness. My, my friend, uh, he's a friend of mine, goes to our church here. He was, he's been helping me out at my house. When we ripped off our kitchen counter, we got a new house, you know, and the kitchen counter was, my wife didn't like it, and we're getting new colors in there and a new sink. And, and so I got the sink, and it came in the, the box, and it was shipping, and everything's ripped off. And he was over there, and we're chatting. He's the nicest guy in the world. And we're just having a good conversation. And then he said, what's that? I said, that's the sink. And he said, what'd you get? And I said, well, I got such and such kind of sink. And he's like, well, why didn't you tell me you bought that kind of sink? I don't know. Does it matter? He goes, yeah, it matters. That changes everything. And so suddenly he was confronted with this problem. He was very nice to me, but I don't want you to think he was yelling at me. He was like, that changes everything. So then he goes, he, so then all of a sudden he stops talking to me and his eyes got kind of glazed over and he, start, he pulls out his tape measure and he begins to measure and he was looking at the problem that looked insurmountable to get that sink into what I, the, what I had to, available to me. And he began to take his pencil and make marks and he began to cut things and move things and hammer things. And I was watching like a sculptor sculpting a beautiful, you know, uh, 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 out of marble or something, some kind of sculpt, and I, or it was like a painting, or, or maybe it was like a, a, like a great guitar player just worshiping God and just playing skillful. That's what I was watching. It was beautiful. It was like watching him conduct music as he slowly overcame it. And within a couple, maybe 15 minutes, he was putting that sink in place and it was fitting in there perfectly. And what I found as I was watching this is that the conflict the problem is what released the anointing in his life. He was anointed to work magical things out of that, to, to build. He's anointed by God to build things. And as soon as he hit a problem, the anointing came alive. But without the problem, there was no anointing. There was nothing needed. You see, without the giant showing up, there is no need to be anointed to be a giant killer. If I'm more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus 
then there better be some stuff to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? The adversity reveals the anointing. And uh, I, I needed some super glue to super glue something, but we, you know, we moved. And so uh, when you move, um, there's certain things that disappear. Uh, super glue is one of them. Also scissors, tweezers, fingernail clippers. These are all gone. And it doesn't matter whether you pack them or not. Just so you know, when you move, those items will not show up at your new house. Go through all the boxes, forget it. There is no scissors, fingernail clippers, uh, uh, tweezers, or super glue, or batteries. They're all gone. So, so forget about it. Just throw them away. When you're packing, just throw it away, because it's pointless. Like, oh, that's scissors? We're not going to see those ever again. Just chuck them. So, so I searched for a little while. I don't know why, but I searched for a little while for super glue, and I didn't find any. So I went on Amazon, and I was going to order super glue. But you could buy a tube of super glue for $1.63 on Amazon. I was like, that's great. But then I saw right below it was 18 tubes of super glue for $3. I don't need 18 tubes of superglue, but I thought to myself, that's a great value. I'm going to buy 18 <laughs> tubes of superglue. Hopefully I don't move soon, because I'll lose them all. And so the package gets there, but it was that really hard plastic package that they wrap toys in so that you can never get inside of them. And, and, and the, it created a problem immediately, because you know what I don't have? Thank you. And so, <laughs> so I take out my Ravencrest knife, right? I'm like, shunk, and I, and I stick it in there. And, uh, and, and I make a little hole, and I thought, well, I'll just get my thumbs in. Why do we always think that? I'm going to get my thumbs in there, I'm going to rip it up. We think we can, no, you can't. You get your thumbs in, you pull, pull, you forget it. It is, the incredible hole could not get into this thing. So I take the knife and I poke another hole, and I start to kind of saw, but I didn't realize that when I poked the second hole, I pierced a super glue tube. What gave it away was the smell. I suddenly smelled super glue, I was like, uh-oh. And I looked, and it's just oozing all over other, all the other super glue bottles, and it's and then and it's coming out the hole and get. And you know when it gets on your hand, you realize that that's it, right? Like you can't get that off, and so it starts to get on my hand. So I I kind of panicked. And I was like, I don't want to lose all these super glue bottles, so I tore it open as quick as I could. And as I did that, I went shoo, and I saw all the super glue, 18 tubes of it, kind of floating in slow motion, all kind of being splashed by the super glue that was oozing out everywhere. And I was like, I don't want this to hit the floor. I didn't know what to do. I kind of panicked. And so I scooped it all up into my hand and, and kind of I went like that and I grabbed it. And I thought that was a mistake. Because I just glued 18 tubes of super glue to my hand. Half a bottle of nail polish remover was required in order for me to be able to preach today. And I thought to myself as I was holding all these super glues, and I was feeling the super glue kind of pouring down, like, and I, I could feel it solidifying. This is gonna be a great day. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought, praise God, the adversity is about to reveal the anointing. <laughs> this day has been marked for greatness. What's my point? We gotta start to look at the problems like that. Let's look at all the problems that come at us. Not like, well, what a horrible day this is going to be. But when we see adversity, we should automatically think this is going to be a great day. When Esther was queen and, you know, she had a tough childhood. She'd lost both of her parents. And, and, uh, but here she is as queen. And the, the Bible talks about an edict had been written by the, the, the king's assistant to kill all the Jews on a certain day, 11 months away from this moment. And uh, Mordecai, her uncle, sends her a message from the gates of the palace. Hey, don't think that you're not going to die too. Like, you're a Jew. Like, all the Jews are going to die. You better do something about this. Well, she sends back, listen, I don't get to just walk into the king. If I just approach the king without being called for, even though it's my husband, I could be, I could be killed. 
That's like a death penalty. And so she says, I can't go approach him. It's very dangerous. And he hasn't called for me in like 30 days, so I don't know what to do. Mordecai sends back this message. He says, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I want you to know that you came into the kingdom, that there's a timing to why you came into the kingdom for such a time as this. God injects his best into the mess. Right? The world was a mess, and he took his best Jesus, and he put him in the mess. He takes the light and puts it into the darkness. He takes the seed of life and puts it into death, sin, and destruction. This is how God works. He takes Joseph and puts him into Egypt. Remember where he would save the world and save a remnant for Israel by being sold into slavery, going to prison, the horrible things that happened to Joseph, the adversity that he went through. God was going to use that to save the entire world from the famine that was coming. You see what God does? A lot of times he injects his best into the mess. So when you're in the mess, like Esther in the mess, don't say, well, why am I here? Say, I know why I'm here. A victim says, well, why am I here? Why is this happening to me? A hero, a victor says, I know why I'm here. I know why this is happening. And then turns to God with hope. Why? Because he injects his best into the mess. And 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says that you are a chosen generation. And you think, why is the world falling apart right now? But look at the world. You could go, this is falling apart. What has happened? Have we ever seen a global pandemic? Really? The whole world shut down? Economic issues? Famine happening? Fires? They stopped making Twinkies? I mean, it's a mess. <laughs> it's falling apart. And you think to yourself, why? And then we start to go, well, what are we going to do? Why is this happening? No, don't be a victim. Look at the mess that you're in and know this. Just like Esther, you were born into this generation for such a time as this. God has endowed this generation with everything that it needs to face the trials this world is looking at. We are not victims. We are victors. We are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we have to stop and look at the victory we already have. What do you mean? Well, you, we could look at the world and we, we start complaining. Oh, it's so bad. And what did I do? And that's things they say. I don't know. Did you see the news today? Did you see what's happening again? And then the thing. And then the, what are we going to do? And we complain. You know, we could, we could do that kind of look at things as though we don't know what's going on. We could recognize what God's called us to, that he's brought us to this point for such a time as this, that we might speak a different word to this nation, that we might rise up with what's been planted on the inside of us and be the overcomers that God has called us to be, that we might love one another in the face of divisiveness and hatred, that we might give joy in the midst of the mess, and one of the problems that we have is we forget to look at the victory that we already have. What I mean is, I know that this has been tough, and I know that people have been hurt by the, the Rona, the coronavirus. But let me just ask you a question. Did you get the coronavirus? 
And if you did and you're sitting here, did you get better? Sometimes we fail to see the victory we're already standing in. I'm already standing in victory. Did you go through famine? Did you run out of toilet paper? <laughs> that doesn't make it okay that other people are sick. That doesn't make it okay that other people are hurting. No, but you're safe so that you might be a help to the people who are hurting. But do you see the victory that you already have? Are you already standing victorious that you might be safety to those who are in the storm? That we might call them out of darkness and into his glorious light? Because we stand untouched by this mess. Praise the living God. Well, are you okay? Because I'm okay. Are you blessed? Because I'm blessed. Praise the living God. I was, I was sitting, uh, uh, was having a nice meal with my wife, and a wasp flew in to the restaurant through the door, and uh, it, it went right to our table, and it was big. It was this long black wasp with... Why are you laughing? It's not funny. It was a long black wasp with orange wings. I'd never seen anything like it before. And, and I, you know, I took the hero mode. I was like, stand back, everybody. I got this. And so I, I took a napkin and I grabbed it. And I tried to squish it. And uh, it didn't die. And I kept thinking to myself, don't get stung, don't get stung, don't get stung, don't get stung. Uh, and then, but I took the napkin off and he's still flying. I was like, what? So I grabbed my, my Rona mask off the table and I, with the napkin. I thought, yeah, I'm going to kill it with the Rona mask. Because I, I hit that thing. And this time I really squished it, you know? Superhuman strength, right? And so then I, then I took it outside and threw it in the trash along with my mask and everything. But I, I felt it. I don't know if you wanted to know that or not, but I, I got it. So, so then we, we looked it up online. We're like, what kind of black wasp with orange wings? It turns out it's called a tarantula hawk wasp. It is native to the Sonoran Desert, which is where we were having breakfast, you know, here in the valley. And, and, uh, and then we found out that the great identifying characteristic of this particular wasp is that when it stings you, it is the second most painful sting known to man. It will dehabilitate you immediately, leaving you on the ground screaming, unable to move. That's what this sting does. So good thing I was like, don't get stung, don't get stung, don't get stung. <laughs> now, I could be like, well, why me, Lord? Why did it fly at my table? I thought I'm protected. Why didn't it fly at somebody else's table? You see, the attack sometimes comes to us because we're there to save everybody else in the restaurant. From the sting of what Satan is trying to do in this world, it sometimes goes after us because we're the ones that can overcome it on others' behalf. Of course, I'm not talking about wasps, am I? In 1 Samuel, is the story of the great prophet Samuel. And... Um, the great prophet Samuel, one of the greatest prophets to ever walk the face of the mighty man of God, anointed two kings, amazing miracles in his lifetime. Samuel, his story starts off with a woman who wants to have a baby, but is, she can't. She keeps trying, but she can't have a baby. Year after year, she's trying to have a baby. Won't come. She would skip meals. She's fasting. She's weeping. Nothing's happening. Year after year. Torn up on the inside. Why won't this happen? 
One day she walks into the temple and she's praying and the priest, Eli, was there and says, you know what? The Lord is granting you a request, go. The Bible says that she cleaned herself up, she began to eat, and then she would get pregnant later on. She'd get pregnant with Samuel and give birth to the baby Samuel. You know, I want you to know something, that sometimes you have something on the inside of you that you're trying to birth, a dream that's within you, that you want to happen, like Abraham Lincoln to be president, or whatever your dream is, huge dreams and thoughts, desires that God places in our heart, business. And it just won't come. It just won't seem to come. It just seems like every time you're trying to make it happen or trying to step out, resistance, attack, discouragement comes. And you could get to the place like she could have. She could have said, you know what? I want to have a baby, but if God wanted me to have a baby, then he'd have made it so that I could get pregnant, but I can't, so he must not want me to have a baby. That's the trap that so many Christians today fall into. Well, if God wanted me to be president, then I would have won that election and I would have won this thing and things wouldn't be the way they are. My dad got a, had a heart attack just a few years after this church started. And the doctor said, your heart is irreparably damaged. You'll never be the same. My dad could have said, well, if God let this happen to me, then I probably wants me to slow down. I guess I probably shouldn't have a church. I probably shouldn't pastor. This is what people do. The attack came though, because he was marked for greatness. And Satan was trying to take him out of the game. But how many know a defeated foe cannot defeat a victor? and cannot overcome the anointing. And my dad fought and believed God for months. I used to drive him to the hospital every other week with some heart attack. He would be having another heart attack. He had so much damage in his heart and all these pills he was taking. But one day, he walked into that doctor's office and the doctor said, the heart problem you're having right now is because you keep taking your heart pills. You have a perfect heart. Stop taking the pills. You've been healed. <laughs> Praise God. What did Hannah have to do though? Hannah had to shake off the frustration. She had to decide to start eating again. Her countenance got better. She got her attitude right again. She began to trust and believe God for what was on the inside of her. And there might be, see, here's why it's so hard for you. Sometimes we look and we go, well, why is it so easy for them to, to birth things? And why did they start the business so easy? And they, they, it was so easy for that person. It's not easy for me. Why is it not easy for me? Because what's in you is greater. What's in you, Satan is scared to death of what you're about to bring forth onto this planet. And he's pulling out all the stops. That attack is nothing more than a mark of the greatness that God has in store for everybody. Come on, somebody. For everybody meeting resistance and attack. Praise God. You've been marked for greatness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well. I want to pray for you. Just stretch out your hands towards heaven if you want to receive this. Praise God. Here's my challenge. See the attack differently. See the mark of victory that's coming. Know that Satan has already been defeated. Shake off the frustration. Keep believing God. Because strength is being revealed in you. The call of God is loud on your life. The anointing of God is big in your heart. Refuse to be discouraged. Refuse to be wounded. Instead, recognize the wounds and the scars are nothing more than marks of greatness. And as you do, I declare over you today that victory is coming to you. Breakthroughs are yours. The Lord has made your enemy your footstool. 
healing is coming to your body. Your anointing is being revealed in the land that God has given you. You are blessed and you are highly favored in Jesus' name. And if you receive it, shout out, I believe it. Amen. Well, thanks for watching. Let me ask you a question. If you were to face eternity today, do you know what eternity might look like for you? And would you have peace with Father God? Here's the good news. God has already offered the free gift of salvation to anyone who would put their faith in His Son, Jesus. If you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, step into a new life and away from an old life, then say this prayer with me. Dear Father God, forgive me of sin. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, then you just stepped into an eternal life. Get involved in a good Bible-believing church. God bless you.